Welcome to the Agency Growth Machine Podcast, where it's all about transforming potential into profit. And now your host, Randy Schwantz. Hey, this is Randy Schwantz. Man, I'm excited to do this little podcast today. Uh, This one is really about stealing another agent's work. And it was interesting. So I'm promoting my Wedge workshop, you know, that I do every quarter in Dallas. And I send out an email with the headline, know how to get a BOR on your first visit. And I get this email back from an agent named Lynn. I'm not going to tell you the last name. I can just tell you they're from Mesa, Arizona. And uh, Lynn says this. So you're the one getting agents to do this. It is unethical, poor business practice, stealing the work of other agents. Hmm. So that's something really interesting to think about. That is this question when you wedge out the incumbent, is it unethical? Is it a poor business practice? Are you really stealing the work of other agents? Well, that's that's something to be considered. If you look at the, the headline of what I put out there, I put, I'll teach you how to wedge out the incumbent and get a BOR letter up front. And then my my email goes on to say, you're a producer and you want to make more money. So I, I assume if you're even listening to this podcast, you're a producer and you want to make more money. And so I go on to say, I've taught thousands of producers how to unseat the incumbent and win the business at the first interview. Now, does everybody always win the business at the first interview? No. Sometimes it takes a couple. Do they always get a BOR? No. But I've had a lot of people win the business on the first interview, and I've had a lot of people go from getting no BORs to where either they or their agency are getting BORs well over 50% of the time and as much as 80% of the time. And why is that important? Well, it takes a lot of work to quote on an account, and you already know that. And of course, I get a lot of people, in fact, I had a producer that came to my wedge workshop and when he left, he goes, man, this is great stuff, but my boss will never support it. Really? Why is that? He goes, he thinks you have to earn it. There's something special about for his boss going through the whole quoting process and earning the business. You know, it's a manly thing. All right, well, cool. You know, then go do it. So I go in to say, I've taught thousands of producers how to unseat the incumbent and win the business at the first interview. I'm a process guy. And I am a process guy. I look at things and kind of reverse engineer them, which is where the wedge came from. See, when it all started out for me, and I started coaching insurance agents, the common mantra was go build a relationship, get the policies, find the coverage gap, market it, you know, quote unquote, pre-qualify, pre-qualify your buyer, make sure they can make sure they can make a change to you um, and, and go through the whole deal. And so then, you know, thousands and th- in fact, the most probably the most popular sales training program for insurance agents in all the world teaches insurance agents how to super qualify. That's what they call it. Super qualify the prospect or the buyer. You know, do they have a problem and can they hire you? Well, that's good stuff, but it really is you focused in one way. Can they hire you 
rather than can they fire the other guy? And see if you change the focus from can they hire you to can they fire the other guy? That's a big shift. It might not sound like it, but that's a big shift. So when I was looking at it in the beginning, once again, I saw people were building relationships, try to find out what the existing incumbent relationship was like. They would get the policies, ask for the policies, and they would say, if I can improve your coverage and save you money, uh, is there any reason why we can't do business? And then the buyer would go, no, we're shopping. And then they'd go shop it. And then they come back and they present it and they get rolled. So in my world, everything's a process. And so instead of starting at the first of the process, I start at the end of the process and reverse engineer it. So what's the biggest problem? The problem is not, can you bring back better coverage and better price in most cases? That's not the problem. Reverse engineer it. The problem is, does the buyer have either the guts, the desire, the willingness to fire his current guy? Because if he can't, that chair is already occupied. And so I sit there and kind of reverse engineer it. Can he do that? Will he do it? Does he want to do that? Then I got to deal with that. Why would he or she want to do that? Well, the only reason they would want to do it is that they felt that their current agent was not taking care of them, not serving them, not doing what they should be doing. And so to some degree, the more you talk about how great you are, you're making about you the more you make the assumption the incumbent's doing a great job, you're not making it about you, and you're helping the buyer discover, hmm, maybe they're being underserved by somebody. So once again, and look, I'm willing to be wrong. There's a lot of consultants out there either teaching to get the, get the policies, market it, find a coverage gap, try to pre-qualify. If I can, will you, all that sort of stuff. There's other consultants out there saying, look, build this beautiful PDF, four color, private brand, everything you have, take what is normal and put a cool name on it and call it yours. Present to them all the things you can do and overwhelm them with how great you are. And that too is an interesting strategy. And look, I got no problem with that either. I got no problem with anything that works. Um, and so if you got something that's working for you and you're closing 80% of the business, you're taking uh, most of the calls you're going on and you're stirring the pot and you're getting them engaged. I mean, it's easy to have 80% closing rate. So you just walk away from everything, but it's hard to go in on a sales call fresh with no relationship, get in the buyer's mind, stir that pot make them think about things they haven't thought about, move it outside the core realm of price coverage, get them to see that the incumbent's not doing their job, get them to invite you in warmly, engage with them to help them create a blueprint for how they want to be served, work them through then what it's going to be like to tell the other guy it's over. That's different. And so if you look at it from a psychological perspective, you might go, hmm, makes sense. So back to, I'm a process guy. Reverse engineer it, start with what the real problem is and reverse your way out of it. So I go on to say in my letter, everything can be boiled down to a process in my world. And the wedge is a process that when mastered will have Mr. Prospect asking you to do business rather than you asking them 
will they do business with you? It's a shift. It's like if you're a young guy, rather than you asking the girl out, the girl's actually asking you out. It's a different position of power, which you would really want. Um, and that's what we're talking about. So I go on to say, well, you can read my books and learn a lot. There's nothing like learning it live in a classroom with an instructor, in this case, me, the process creator, and then role playing with others until you master the process. And that's how it becomes second nature. Imagine getting so good at painting such a beautiful picture that your prospect literally asks you to handle his or her business. Look, you've got coverage, price and services. You must know how to finesse these three to take the business away from the incumbent. And hint, it's not ordinary services that everyone else does. It's proactive services. So in our workshop, man, we uh, have you imagine holding out your left hand and in it a water balloon and in your right hand a brick and then imagine that somebody is attacking you and your family. Which would be a better weapon? A water balloon or a brick? And see, when you can take your proactive services or your service, your service deal, so if you break it down to three categories, Price, coverage, and service. Is price a sustainable competitive advantage? For most people, they say no. Is coverage a sustainable competitive advantage? Most people say no. Third category is service. You got your reactive and your proactive. So when you can take and really delineate your proactive service like bricks, have them well-defined and named, in a sense, out of those bricks, you can build a wall. You can build a wall that now you can separate between the prospect and the incumbent. So that's an analogy, but we make it very real. So now I'm going on to say, if you haven't mastered this technique or don't even know what I'm talking about, you need my upcoming workshop. And then I go on to say, you know, here's what you get. You know, you get the, the wedge and how to get rid of the incumbent without saying one bad thing about them. Now, I had a guy introduce me the other day. He goes, here's Randy Schwantz. He's the author of the wedge. Yeah, this is a badass deal. You know, it's kind of controversial. And I go, dude, it's not. It's not badass at all. And it shouldn't be controversial. You, it, when you use the wedge right, you never you never say anything bad about the other guy. You're not throwing the other guy under the bus. The prospect is throwing the guy under the bus. So it goes on to say, this is one sell strategy that will dramatically increase your closing ratio. Producers closing at 80% is not unusual, and it's not. And here's the other thing we focus on a lot, how to double your income in three to four years. Now think about the implications of that. And we've got hundreds of people that come into the workshop. They're making $120,000 a year. It's a good gig for them. Their spouse is making, say, sixty grand a year. So you add it all up, you know, they're pushing close to $200,000 income for the family. But they've got three children. And so when you take $200,000 and you take about 40% right off the top and give it to Uncle Sam, you're living on 120 grand or $10,000 a month. Well, it sounds like an enormous amount of money until you start paying daycare for the four-year-old. You're paying, you know, which is what? A thousand bucks a month, $1,200 a month. Then you're paying uh, for uh, club hockey for your oldest, which is probably another 
thousand dollars a month. So now we just went from ten grand down to eight grand, and we haven't paid a mortgage, a house payment, insurance, bought any food, played golf, or done anything. The point is, two hundred thousand dollars is not a lot of income anymore for a family to raise two or three kids. Um, when it's all said and done, most families like that are spending almost everything they have. And they've got this little tiny bit left over that they're they're co-investing in the 401k that that their employer or agency provides, and they're saving many cases maybe sixty five hundred dollars a year, not nearly enough money to pay. If you got three kids, it's really clear at sixteen you're going to buy. When they turn sixteen, you're going to buy cars. When they turn eighteen, you're going to pay for university. If you got any daughters, you know when they turn twenty five or something like that, you're going to pay for a wedding. And now you're trying to fund your own retirement, which is, look, I mean, here's the stats. And it would be wise for you to to get really clear about this. The stats are the day you decide to hang it up, you need about 22 times your annual expense in a retirement account. So let's just do the math there. If you plan on living on $100,000 a year when you retire, and really that's not a lot of money, then you got to have $2.2 million dollars in your retirement bank account. If you want to live on more, like 150, then you gotta have $3.3 million in your bank account. Well, if you don't do that, and you need to be thinking about this, then you're gonna be living mostly on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And um, look, man, this is a little gross, so just plug your ears. But uh, I've spent more time recently in uh, assisted living place than what I ever wanted to because of both my parents and my wife's mom. And, um, you know, when you start to get old, man, if you don't have money, you, you don't have anybody to assist in taking care of you. And, you know, when you get old, you lose control of a lot of bodily functions. And then you sit around and you know what all day long, it's not money out of greed I'm saying it's money out of necessity. So when I go back and say, I'm going to help you double your income in three or four years, um, and we got a whole process for that, there's a reason for it. It's not greed. It's because smart people know it's not how much you make. It's how much you save that creates wealth. And doubling your income radically increases your chances to 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 get your annual savings capability up to forty, fifty, or sixty thousand dollars a year, and so think about it: if you save sixty grand a year for twenty years, that's one point two million dollars. You get compounded interest on it. Now you got your two point two, two point five, two point six. You need to be saving about forty to sixty grand a year at a minimum. If you're not, if you're not, you're in trouble. You might not want to admit it. You might not want to feel it. Uh, you you want to live in you know this blissful uh, life of financial ignorance, but but it's not in your best interest. So not only do we teach you the wedge, we teach you how to double your personal income in three to four years, so that you can radically increase your discretionary savings capability. And then one of the other tactics to help you do that is through getting red hot introductions. I think about this. If you've been in business and you're making 120 grand a year, then you've probably got a three to four hundred thousand dollar book of business. You've probably got you know 60, 80, 100 accounts. Let's just take out of those hundred accounts just the top 20 of them. They know people you want to meet. 
And if you've never slowed down the bus and thought about who do they know you want to meet, build out that database and then deal with the mental angst or fear or whatever it is that's stopping you from doing that, then you've got this huge asset called your client base that you're not getting any leverage on other than the money you're making off of them. But you could double that asset by working introductions. And look, this is remarkably different than asking for and getting referrals. I was talking to a guy yesterday and he said, man, you know, we tried that referral stuff and all they do is they send you down the line. They send you down to some rinky dink sort of shop that we don't want to write. And I, I go, yeah, I mean, referrals, even though everybody's talking about it, referrals is what helps people get a, a book of a whole bunch of accounts of very little money in most cases. So getting red hot introductions will help you grow your net worth when you combine red hot introductions, the wedge, and the million dollar producer concept will help you build this huge net worth over a period of time. And the question is, are you worth it? So I go on to say, so Lynn, you need to go here and get registered and start winning more business and what's your personal income soar. And then I go on to say, hey, Lynn, we have 100% guarantee. If you don't get what you came for, we'll refund your money. There's no risk. And then I just put in my mission statement. I'm on a mission to help 500,000 producers 10x their savings capability. And I won't rest until I'm done. And that's what I want to do. I want to help a half a million producers 10x their savings capability. I want to help them go from saving $6,500 a year to saving $65,000 a year to position themselves in a, in a way to be able to go create wealth. So now back to the top of this email. Rather than dear Randy, it's just, so you're the one getting agents to do this. It's unethical. It's poor business practice. Stealing the work of other agents. Now, Lynn... It's interesting that you condemn me so fast, but you didn't do your research. Lynn, if you were following these practices, you would be putting proactive services in on your best clients. Lynn, instead of just being a price coverage geek, you would actually be a great insurance agent if you started following these practices. Instead of being afraid of somebody stealing your work, what you would be is proud that you're an incredible agent protecting the homes, families, and businesses of the people that you serve. So that's kind of what I want you to think about. Are you really stealing the work of other agents or are you raising the expectations of your buyers Are you getting them to see that there is more to be had? Are you changing the game of the traditional agent that, and there's millions out there in America that believe their job is to place the coverage and you're moving more into a bigger game of helping protect the business, reduce claims, control losses, project the experience mod, confirm the classifications making sure the property valuations are right, helping them understand you know, what their real exposures are, not just the ones that you can cover because you make money off of. Are you raising the game? Is that unethical? Hey, Lynn, I don't think so. Is that poor business practice? 
Hey, Lynn, maybe you're the one that has poor business practice. Say, yes, I'm the one getting agents to do this the best I can. I want to help as many as I can. And that's legitimate. It's very legitimate. It gets me fired up when I get emails from agents. I got a deal on Facebook yesterday where a guy said, um, hey, Randy, I wanted to thank you. The wedge uh, changed my attitude, saved my agency, uh, even changed what's going on in my marriage. Thank you. Lynn, think about that, will you? So, hey, look. I mean, if you're out there in the marketplace and your goal is to make a lot of money, not because you're greedy, but make a lot of money because you want to take care of your family, you want to position your future so that, you know, when you get in your latter years, you've got plenty of money to take care of you and your spouse uh, and your life is good, then it all comes from you got to win more business. You got to win bigger accounts. You got to win it at a faster pace. You got to. And then you to win them, you got to get into them. You can spend your time cold calling, which we teach people how to do that. If you're new, you probably need to do that. If you've been around for a long time, you know, you need to be working or you could be working your clients for introductions. I mean, really map it out. And here's a bet. I mean, I got a standing bet with anybody that wants to take it. I'll bet you $10,000. Now you got to work with me, but I'll bet you $10,000 that in less than about two hours, I can help you build a database of your perfect prospects through your existing clients that would be bigger than your existing book is right now. So think about this like this. If you got a $500,000 book of business, in about two hours, a little bit of help, we could build a database of prospects. We're talking about business names, person's names, um, that would be equivalent to that half million dollar book you have through your existing clients and getting introductions. Now, if you had that mapped out and you change your dialogue from using that referral stuff to something different and you coach those buyers through how you want to be introduced, what would that do to change the trajectory of your future? That'd be huge. It could be really big. And that's why... I'm always grateful when I get letters from people. I had a story to the Wedge Archives. Uh, Patrick and I are working on a, a company that has 180 full-time employees. Uh, our team has been working on the commercial and personal sites account, which we already wedged out the incumbent. With that said, uh, we decided to focus our attention on employee benefits. It was under the control of a different buyer within the organization. He goes on to say they went through the wedge process, uncovered several pain points, um, and their current deal was with the PEO arrangement with paychecks. Uh, they waved the white flag, began hard part of the conversation. How are you going to tell the other guy it's over? After rehearsing the client through the process, they committed that they could do it. And then he goes, I received a call late Friday afternoon that went like this. Keith, you were not kidding. That was very hard. I couldn't believe how hard they fought. They offered the same service at the same price and they asked for another year to make everything right, but I stood tall and told them that we were moving on. The last thing they said to me was, please do not break up with me. Please, please don't break up with me. It was brutal, but I cannot thank you enough for mentally preparing me for that conversation. I was prepared and we're moving forward with your firm. So 
the incumbent fights to keep their business. And you got to prepare the buyer for how they're going to deal with that. Here's another really cool one. I mean, this guy uh, had been a high school basketball coach, uh, got his license uh, about June of that year. And then um, September the 2nd, so he got his license about June. September the 2nd, he wrote this account by BOR. I'm talking about a brand new guy out of the chute. Total revenue, $24,000, transportation, school transportation account. Um, and what made it interesting is that this guy became a real student. And what's cool is as a coach, as a basketball coach, he's got no dilemma about the fact that there's only one way you get good at something that's hard work hard. And you've got a hard wire, you know, just like if you're basketball, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta work on your juke. You gotta work on your, 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 your jab step. You gotta work on your finger roll. You gotta work on your free throws. You gotta work on it. It's not just, Hey, let's go to a summer basketball camp and you become a rock star. And so he came to the wedge, went back and he worked on it. Uh, he wrote it out. Um, uh, he would, he would have wedge writing sessions He'd role play in front of his peer group. Uh, he, w- he would do it. And so then he was prepared when he got the opportunity. So look at this. A little, a little more than 90 days into a brand new, fresh career, he gets a BOR on a $24,000 commission account. It's just a cool story. But we've got lots of them. Let me keep going here. I mean, this is a lot of cool stories. Uh, this guy says I had 300 accounts worth about 300 in revenue. I followed your advice, gave up over 250 accounts. How brave is that? And then focus on growth. Four years later, I have a 1.3 million with only 30 accounts. His name's Austin. Um, this guy, Hey Randy, when I started with you two years ago, my book was 600 K today. My book is approximately 1.125 and my pipeline's never been bigger. I've greatly increased the size of the accounts I'm working on. And even though my book is almost 100% bigger, I find I have more time than before to work on growing even more. Uh, his name's Danny. Um, this guy, three years ago on May 5th, I attended your Dallas program with a $320,000 book of business. I just closed an account yesterday, pushing my book to over 650K. I've only reduced my customer account by 25%, but I'm constantly pushing small accounts down to new producers and focus on bigger opportunities. His name's Matt. Um, there's a guy, another guy named Matt. The wedge process really works. I was cleaning out my iWin notebook and found my book of business report for 2012 uh, when I first took the training. Uh, my book in 2012 was 206K with exactly 100 accounts. Today it's 358 with 62 accounts, and that's accounting his split on his two largest accounts. He'll hit 400K by the end of the first quarter. So it just, you know, hey, Lynn, uh, is it unethical? No. Uh, is it better for clients? Yes. Um, is it better for you if you got in on the game? Yes. And so all of you out there, um, again, my, my, my whole goal is to help you radically increase your income so you can fund the cars, universities, weddings, and your retirement. Uh, I personally know that it takes a lot of money having raised four daughters. Um, I'm here to help. If you want more information on how to get in on this game, just go to my website, www.thewedge.net, and let's go have some fun um, driving wedges, getting red hot reductions, doubling our personal income, build up the savings account, get your spouse on the same team, and uh, make life 
a lot better. All right, man, here's to you. Is stealing the work of other agents, ooh, is it good or bad? We'll let you be the judge. Adios.